Hello and welcome to Talking Events, the industry podcast brought to you by Event Industry News. Um, today being recorded in the President's Suite, the President's yeah. Room um, at the Victory Services Club um, in the heart of London, just near Hyde Park. Um, today we're going to be talking about member organisations and their venues and their place within the events world. Um, I'm delighted to say that we're joined uh, in the Talking Events studio by David Parker, Deputy Director at the Royal College of Physicians for Meetings and Events. David, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. And also Mark Field, Operations Director for the Victory Services Club within which we are sat <coughs> today. Mark, thanks for joining the podcast. Thank you very much. Good morning. Good to have you both uh, aboard. First time guests to the show. Um, let's start by looking at your respective organisations. Mark, uh, perhaps we can begin with you seeing as we are in your establishment today. Tell us a little bit about the Victory Services Club. Uh, sure, we're a, a membership organisation. Uh, we're a registered charity. Um, we are here for um, our serving armed forces and the retired veterans. We're a tri-services all ranks uh, club, which is the only club in London that is like that. Uh, we've got over 60,000 members. Um, if you are a member of the serving community, membership is free. You just need to register. Uh, once you retire from service, you become a, a paying member. Our membership fees a year of 22 pounds. And we operate very much, the building is very consistent to a hotel. We've mm -hmm. got 202 bedrooms. We have seven function rooms, uh, restaurants and bars uh, that our members can, can use. The event space is what we're here to really talk about. Uh, we sell to corporates as well. Uh, we do a lot of rental dining and our members use them for their Christmas events and, and things. Uh, but we offer that as a service. It's, it's part of the club that is open to, to, to a paying client. And we'll come on to the actual rooms and the spaces and event spaces as, as, as this episode progresses. Um, David, tell us a little bit about the Royal College of Physicians and, and what it is and s perhaps touch on some of the, uh, the rooms and the, and the event side of things that you offer. Okay, the Royal College of Physicians is, once again, a membership body, uh, a registered charity. <coughs> we are 498 years young, um, being set up by Henry VIII. Um, we are the body that looks after the medical doctors in the UK and throughout the world who become physicians, become specialised. We have approximately 32,000 members and growing, and our vision is to provide the best possible in health and healthcare for everyone. That's what we as an organisation. We have a wonderful venue in Regent's Park. We have 18 main meeting rooms. We can look after 320 people in our largest through to two people in, in any of the smaller ones. Um, the idea is that our external revenue we generate from the wonderful corporate clients that we have um, maintains the building and maintains the services so that the internal and the education can be provided at a very, very reduced rate. Mm -hmm. Let, let's let's kick things off and uh, uh, by asking as as member organisations in what are ultimately prestigious parts of, of London, is it difficult first and foremost to develop the event side of the business? Has it always been at the forefront of the operations of those organisations, and how big a part does it currently play within the operations of, of those organisations? Um, Mark, let's look at the Victory Services Club. You know how big a percentage does the meetings and the event side of things play in the operation of the organization as a business? 
Um, well, as a business and, and as a charity, I mean, it's our, our, our second charitable objective is a, is a, is a, a place um, where people can come for their reunions. So our events business really, the reunions from our members and our members' the side of, of that is, is quite um, is in an easier market for us because there are members we can target mm -hmm. them. Uh, they know us very well. They know how we operate. They know what we offer. Um, you know, with we we offer um, value, service, and courtesy to everybody that comes here. But the externals, they're the the unknown, and that's um, trying to get the message out to them that they're welcome here and they'll get exactly the same. Um, David, I, I'm I'm always curious when it comes to member organisations. We've come across others in the past that can actually be confined with how much external marketing activity and communications they can do because of the nature of the membership itself um, and there are confines on that. Are you under any sort of restrictions like that or are you pretty open in terms of who you can market to? Well maybe I'll just roll back a little bit. You know we are, um, we're talking about the venue, we are a grade one listed building. We, we were built by Dennis Lasden or designed by Dennis Lasden uh, 50 odd years ago. <coughs> but in the design it was to be an education space a meeting space and also a public space so that people could learn about medicine and, and medical treatment. We've extended that now as part of our ethos to offer you know, it out to the, the corporate world and out to people who want to book us. And the entire corporate or the entire team of doctors who, who run our space understand that that's of vital importance. So no, we're not constrained. They work around the external events primarily. And, and are you seeing different types of event organisers coming into the building in recent years. And I ask that question semi-loaded because we know from speaking to event organisers within the industry that in the last few years there's been a big sort of explosion in look thinking outside the box when it comes to sourcing event spaces. Mm. We've seen organisers really go a little bit off the wall and look at different options and then create the, the, the mm. what they want within those options. Mm. Have, you, have you experienced that with the events that you've been dealing with? And it's the same, really, it's the same people booking them. They're looking, we've come on their radar, I would say, more because they're looking for a unique venue or, mm -hmm. or something new, uh, different to the mainstream that they're booking. Um, it's similar agents that are, are still contacting us um, for different types of, of their clientele that are coming through, through the doors. We, we do a lot of, of training and education. Um, as, as obvious, but now we're, we're getting a lot more of uh, product launches, corporate business that we're, which we weren't on the radar before, because sure. of that. I think, as as you say, that unique venue that people want to try something new, uh, which makes it difficult as well, because repeat business of new clients mm. um, are looking, you know, nothing you've done wrong, and they've had a fantastic time, but they want to try something new, so they want to go somewhere else. So what you've got to make sure is you're on there next year's calendar not definite and and that's just the nature of it and it's it's changing and i'm sure david finds it the same i've got to say i do i mean I, i'm going to wind back again 50 odd years to our uh, to dennis lasden and i'm going to read a quote that he we, we utilize all the time um, this is an architectural quote but i think it refers to the meeting and events business our job is to give the client on time and on cost not what he wants but what he never dreamed he wanted and when he gets it, he recognises that it is something he wanted all the time. We're finding now that offering a room, offering AV, offering uh, dining 
is not good enough. It's an experience they need. They need to know that when they come here, they're paying a lot to have these people here, they're, they're, the people's time there. They've got to walk away with something of value, some experience. It's the space outside of the meeting room, which is just as important as the space inside. Mm -hmm. it, the fact they should be able to walk and still be able to be in contact with their work seamlessly. That's what we need to provide, and that's what we do. And, and in <coughs> order to deliver that, though, and this is just personal experience, you need people within your own organization who understand the events industry. And a lot of venues in the past have made the mistake of having excellent marketing people and communications people to sell the space, but sometimes who lack a little bit of understanding of how events are actually delivered. Um, how do you approach that it's side of things in, in, in offering that sort of creative element yourself to help it's inspire? It's your, it's your core stuff. Uh, I think we're, we're very lucky we control every element of, of, of that process, all of our staff are our own. Um, so we can get them to buy into that, um, our message, our values, uh, and what we want to deliver from the person you meet on the door um, all the way to if you, you, you bump into a, uh, an assistant from the housekeeping team, they're all on, on the same page. Um, it's giving that experience at every Every engagement you make, mm -hmm. um, every member of staff touches your experience when you walk through the door. You, you, and they will build your journey of, of, of your experience with us, mm -hmm. whether it's successful on or unsuccessful. Um, and if you miss any element of that engagement with your staff, with your clients or, or their clients, you'll, you'll lose. Um, no matter how small you think it is, if you miss it, they won't. Yeah, and and you've got to get that right, so that you your your team need to buy in, and you've got to spend time on that. You you it's, it's from a training point from a training point of view, and and you've got to pick the right people who who are passionate about the industry and want to buy into that. Yeah, it's it's not just this is a job. Uh, as an organisation, we've got bigger goals, and we mm. need them to to buy into that at at all levels. Um. A question that just popped into my head, uh, and again, this is just from personal experience walking around venues. Um, you will no doubt entertain potential clients where they will come to your facilities and you will show them around the event spaces to, to show them perspective, you know, what, it, what, it, what they could mm -hmm. do. Now, granted, in one sense, you want to show people a bit of a blank canvas so mm -hmm. that they can get the creative juices flowing. But in another sense, you want to show them what potential the spaces have. I've been around a lot of event venues where there's no event running, so they've just shown us the blank space, and it's basically like a storeroom. You know, there's chairs. Yeah. What, what sort of um, attention is paid to maintaining these uh, actual meetings and event spaces to make sure that if you do show somebody around, or they're always kept in a condition where people can be inspired by them instantly? Uh, it's quite... I'm an operator, so I come from an operator's point of view. It's quite simple. When a room is not being used um, for an event, is either being changed for the next event or it's in show round condition. Mm -hmm. Whatever that show round condition, we choose it to be. Um, so whether it's a cabaret style, theater style, or boardroom style, whatever it may be. Um, and also, we have images of, of all of our rooms, of all of our spaces set up in every which way you can possibly think. Mm -hmm. And we will show those to the clients. Um, and even on our virtual walk around, you can select to see how you would like to see a room and, and, and do it that way. Um, it is hard for some people to imagine what a room looks like. We realise that, and so that's how we cope with it. 
how adaptable are, are the spaces um, in the Victory Services Club? I mean, I looked on the, the website prior to uh, setting up for, for these uh, episodes that we're mm -hmm. recording here today, but uh, I did see that there are a number of different options available. How flexible are they in terms of how they can be laid out and what people can actually bring in from an external point of view, hardware, staging, sound, light? Uh, we're very flexible. I, d I think the space is very flexible. And I think that the three, three key um, sort of points that people are looking for is location, which, which we have, we offer great value. And then it's that flexibility of what can they do with the space, what we, we allow them to do with the space um, as well. And anything in reason, we, we are open to discussion. I mean, we've had some bizarre requests of uh, <laughs> definitely being a military organization of what uh, equipment <coughs> they can bring in and things. Um, but we've, we've got to work with our clients. Um, and if it's not possible, we have to have a good reason why it's not possible. Pray tell some of these bizarre requests. We'd love <laughs> to know if you can. You don't have to divulge names of organizations or, so or, or people, but can you think of anything that you think, oh, uh, how are we going to deal with that? We've, we've had, uh, we were requested for 12 Harley Davises once. I like it already. Um, <laughs> which in our main hall, as it has a balcony and a s staircase going down, um, is was quite interesting of <laughs> how they uh, planned on getting them down as well. But, uh, um, but they got them in? No, no. Yeah. Yeah, that that was one we we <laughs> we didn't manage. I had to visions work. of your of your of your porters or, or your fantastic concierges on the door riding Harley Davidsons down the corridor. Yeah, uh, we had volunteers, but uh, <laughs> but no, it uh, that didn't get get off the ground. But the space has got to be flexible, and we've got to be open-minded mm -hmm. um, as. You know, everybody, as, as David and I were, mm. were talking earlier, people want a bespoke experience. Um, so their requests will sometimes come from a bit of, of left field. Um, and it's managing their expectations and, and making sure that it will work for them. Because although sometimes the ideas are a bit, a bit out there, they can work and it can be very effective. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they come to us because we've got the expertise of delivering that. And maybe tweaking their idea and going, look, the way you've got it set, it's a great idea, but it'll work better if we do it this way. And it's giving that advice and that bespoke yeah. experience. But the word no is is, n is not a good one to have. Um, sure. But sometimes you have to say no. Sometimes you have you to deal thi with things diplomatically, mm -hmm. don't you, if it's, if it's just not feasible. W w when we talk about flexible spaces, David, um, by the same token, venues do have to offer a certain amount of in-house um, whether it be equipment or service, mm. um, so that it doesn't all necessarily have to be brought in. Um, what, what's been developed, what's available to people in-house, how has that worked for you? I think um, because of the nature of what we do, because we, we are operating 300 odd days of the year, um, all of our equipment is pretty much in-house, certainly on the audiovisual side and on the catering side. We, we have a rolling investment of between 250 to 300,000 pounds a year on audiovisual. We've just done a broadcast for one of our clients went out to 28 countries in four different languages um, simultaneously um, and that's all with in-house equipment the only thing we brought in was the translators mm -hmm. um, so we can do all of that and, and the same with the catering you know I if you want it we can do it within reason sure um, so um, but we, we've done we pretty much can do anything you want and if we can't do it we can source it or show you how to get it in, get it in for you, or suggest hopefully an alternative which might even be better for you. Well, well, 
let's let's very quickly. I'm keen to put things in context, and so the listeners can actually understand what size of space we're mm -hmm. dealing with and what you can cater for. Um, Mark, I in the Victory Services Club, what, what's the sort of the largest space that you've got, and what c can it cater for numbers-wise? Um, our largest space is our Carisbrook Hall. Um, it's theatre style for 300. Um, we can do 210 for a sit-down meal. Um, it's got a, a private entrance um, from, from street level. Uh, we're just around the corner from Oxford Street. And that's catered by our executive chef and his team um, and our staff. So that's our biggest room. The second biggest is um, we can do 200 mm -hmm. theatre style and then 160 for a sit-down meal. And the other rooms, the room we're in today, are smaller boardrooms style private dinners up to 30. Sure. Um, so we're dealing with, with, with good sized numbers there. And, and mm. David? We're similar. We, you know, we, we, our largest room does theatre style 300 and we can do up to 320. Um, we also have can do 300 on sit down dining. Um, and, and we have everything in between. We have another room that does sort of 180. And, and so, you know, we've got the space to do it and we can link the two together. So sometimes we've certainly done mm -hmm. overflows and Q&A and, and video between the two. So, you know, it's no problem. And, and the reason I ask that is that the numbers are fairly similar. They are. Your locations are both very, very central in London. I, is there a battle sometimes for both of you where you've got guests who have come in for the first time and gone, I didn't even know this was here. I didn't even know. I've walked by this building so many times and I would never have known that there was this wonderful big space in here to accommodate 300 or so people. Is that a bit of an ongoing... Battle. It's very common for us. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, we we walk down some lovely Nash terraces by Regent's Park, and then you come across this TARDIS-like building, and you look on the outside and you think, my goodness, what's in there? And, and it isn't until you walk inside when you realise the amount of space that is available. And I think, as I said before, the meeting rooms are brilliant, but it's the spaces outside the meeting rooms where the guests are, are mingling, are talking about what they're here for, or, and and the accidental collisions of ideas which are occurring there, which are probably some of the most important spaces. Um, sorry, it's go on Mark, you were going to add. It's, as, as, as you say, people walk through the door and then go, wow, I didn't know this was here. Uh, and it's to try and uh, get more people to come through the doors and be, have that experience that, wow, I'm, uh, I'm amazed it's here. And that's how, you know, through marketing, uh, things it's it's becoming with the unique venues it's 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 getting easier. Our members are, are some of our, our you know word of mouth is is great um, way of promoting our, our our business. We've got sixty thousand members, mm -hmm. so the, that does does help. Um, Absolutely. Well, when we're um, London is very much a hub of event activity for loads and loads of different sectors and industries now. Um, how important is it as organizations that your own communications teams stay aware of what's happening in the city uh, it, from an event point of view to make sure that you're not missing opportunities? Because it can be a bit of a minefield, but are there relationships with any of the event organizations or any you know, third-party agencies and people that you use to help stay abreast of what's happening? Well, we, we are um, MIA gold accredited, so it's a, we it's accreditation that um, it is, I think, the biggest benefit is for us. Mm -hmm. um, it benchmarks where we, where we are, uh, keeps us relevant of, of what we're doing. Um, it keeps us honest on, on, on where we're going and, and the business practices that others are using. 
Um, and then it gives us that accreditation that if somebody's looking for an accredited uh, venue, we, we have that. So that, that benchmarks us, the uh, Institute of Hospitality, mm -hmm. we're also hospitality assured. Um, so that's what keeps us relevant. We're a member of the um, London Chamber of Commerce, so we go to business networking sure, meetings. Yeah, yeah. But I think the we as a as a, our marketing team and with London, London is is moved so fast. Mm. Um, and if you're not aware of what's happening, you get left behind quite quickly. But as we have business plans, mm. I'm sure David does. London changes so fast. If you change with it at that pace, you, your it's plan won't struggle, work. Yeah, your your plan won't work. Yeah. You've got you've to stay true to your beliefs and your values Correct. and your plan. Mm -hmm. um, London is relevant, don't, don't get me wrong, and we must look at it and we must see what others are doing. Um, otherwise, we'd be naive. But you've got to have your strategy, your business plan, um, at the heart and the core of your your values and what you stand for as a, an organisation. You're nodding in approval. I'm nodding, David. but not. I, I, I agree. You have core values. You know, for, for us, sort of iconic, memorable, passionate, professional, uh, innovative. But along with that, I mean, maybe I'm medical to get into me. You know, Darwin sort of was saying it's it's not the strongest that survive. It's those that have got the most adaptability and most yeah. agility. That that and we are members of things such as. Um, AIPC, which is Professional Congress Centres Worldwide, IAC, um, International Association of, of, of Conference Venues. And I've, I've just come back from Kampalaput um, in the Netherlands, where there was, I think, 50-odd venues um, had people there talking about their own venues. Mm -hmm. We are in competition with each other, there's no doubt, but the market is big enough that we don't fight for it. Yeah. We just provide the best possible venue. Um, and from doing that, we believe we're going to get the people in. And once they've used us, they'll keep on coming back and using us. Um, but yeah, it's a similar thing. You know, we were ISO 9001 and, and ISO 14001 because people like to know we follow certain procedures sure, and processes yeah. that are environmental. Yeah. But you do have to adapt. You know, we don't follow. We, we, we try and lead. We try and say, well, this is where we, people are wanting. We're providing that service now for them. Yeah. From a, from a pricing point of view, um, uh, I'm, I'm again just out of sheer curiosity. Pe people associate certainly this part of London. You know, we're not far from Park Lane and, and, and the, the big hotels that host you know, uh, big glamorous dinners. Mm -hmm. That there is a cost, a, a high cost associated with doing that. Now, both of you uh, represent charitable organisations, so not-for-profit organisations, where any money generated presumably comes back into the organisations for further investment. Um, am I right or wrong in assuming that from a price point of view you can actually be a little bit more competitive but you have to be careful not to be so competitive that people think that you're of a lower standard? Does that make sense it to does. me? We like to think that we offer uh, a five-star service and value for money at the same time. We're not willing to lower our service standards. Um, and, and some people who have lowered their service standards and lowered their costs have achieved okay and others have suffered. We're not. We, we, we have a certain level of service we'll always provide no matter what you pay. Um, but it is very competitive in the market, I like to think. Um, the value you would get here for this, this location in this area is, is second to none. It would mm -hmm. be um, better, um, I would hope, <laughs> um, than anywhere in 
the, the standard we're going to give and, and deliver. And as David, we don't compromise on that. And that there is a, a, a price you can't go below, mm. otherwise it will affect your event. And if, if as an event organizer, you're willing to jeopardize that, then, then I, as, as an organization, yeah. as, as David, we, mm. we are probably not the venue yeah. uh, for you. But the value here, you, you will not find elsewhere. Um, and it's, it, as you mentioned, uh, we are a charity and that the surplus we do make from, from the end pays in to help us with the, the charity work we, we, we do. We do welfare and respite breaks um, sure, yeah. for, for injured uh, guys and girls that, that come back. And that's a free weekend stay. It's normally a family. Um, that's breakfast, lunch and dinner. And we, we pay for an excursion the theater or, or sea world or things and that's that's what our, our event side of the ACT visit is, is ultimately mm. for um, and and on the same sort of subject David you alluded earlier to, to a budget a yearly budget for things like AV and, mm -hmm. and, and whatever that may be but uh, uh, in terms of general venue development mm -hmm. and ongoing infrastructure mm -hmm. to develop that and keep up to pace how how is that addressed in both of the venues? Um, things like Wi-Fi, yeah. huge one. AV, lighting. You know, we realise that. You know, uh, people walk in, they expect to have their Wi-Fi as good, if not better, than home, depending how good their mm. Wi-Fi is at home. And and the same with everything, with the with the with the chairs they're sitting in, with the audio visual they're dealing with, everything else. I'm not so worried about our externals. It's the internals that worry me. It's the internals who are in there day in day out. It's the doctors who have my personal phone number, it's the physicians who know exactly where my office is, so if I let them down in any which way, yeah. I, will, I will get in trouble. So we ensure that for all of those people, for all of those reasons, it is perfect. So then when our corporates walk in, they get the same perfect experience. And, and Mark, when, when you're looking, how much development, I, I think there was, uh, I'm reading something that there was a, a big refurb. Um, I don't know how recent that was, but could you tell us a little bit more about that? We, we started our our journey and really of development of the club in, in 2007. Right. Um, the first space that was looked at was the bedrooms, um, which is member of our members area. We've got 202 two bedrooms. So that's where we started. And we've done the restaurant um, and the lounge bar and, and things like that, members areas. We've now moved on to the event space. Um, there was investments in, in the room we're in, in now which we, we did three years ago. Um, and that was an, inv uh, um, compared to the, the new investments, quite a modest um, mm -hmm. spend, and, uh, and that was around 80,000 pounds. Well, we've just finished what you mentioned, um, which we got back in July, was a 1.5 million project. It included two event rooms, um, the Al Alamein and the Trafalgar, mm -hmm. and now open together, we can open the wall up, and that's the Al Alamein suite. And a lot of the investment was in the our events kitchens, which are down in d down in the basement. So they've been fully um, restored. Uh, showed David around. They are wonderful earlier. kitchens. Mm. So and again, this is this is so that you can compete at the level that you need to compete at in this part of London. Yes, yes, and it, it's it's the the investment is is there for for our corporate clients, but it's, it's also for the members. You know, th we, we want to deliver fantastic events for our members on our social calendar, um, reunion dinners. So it's, it's all part of it. It's, um, you know, we're, we, 
are lucky who don't have shareholders so mm -hmm. that 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 sort of can go back in and that's part of that 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 fantastic investment that that's been given and the the plan and our program of works our, our main function room which is our Carisbrook Hall um, that will have an investment in in the summer and we're working on those plans um, but it you know it um, the M&E the air conditioning comfort control lighting mm. AV um, it'll be a large investment um, when it's done and then that'll bring all of our space um, up up to what people expect mm. um, so we that journey then is for, for us it's already started again because uh, um, the bedrooms 2007 is almost 10 years ago mm. so the we are starting refurbishing the bedrooms again okay so it's an ongoing uh, um, refurbishment program really many um, I'm, I'm throwing a few different things at you because I've, I've got a lot that I want to ask mm -hmm. in a short space of time from a procurement point of view many venues will have preferred suppliers for a, a, you know external services mm -hmm. that, that they can recommend to event mm -hmm. clients um, is that the case with both of your venues? If so, is it a difficult one to get preferred suppliers because of the nature of your organizations? How does it work? Very simple. Um, on the procurement process, um, we do have certain uh, prov providers that we have, we have pre-vetted. Um, but if you want to bring anybody else in, just tell us who it is. Um, you know, it, whether it be a florist, whether it be an AV supplier, etc. We'd like to think that you know, certainly on the audiovisual side, you know, we can do it better, if not better, mm -hmm. than anybody else. But certainly on the florist side, we'll recommend our ones. But if you have a preferred supplier, please go ahead. That's absolutely fine. And uh, the s same uh, victory services. Same as same as what what yeah. David said. What we what we do do, what we make sure is if somebody does bring in their their own florist or yeah. something, if they do a very good job, then we make sure yeah. we 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 use that as a lead yeah. when we're looking at um, our preferred suppliers list. Mm -hmm. Should we have another one? Should we should we replace the one we've got? We're always, um, you know, open-minded about who is on this list. They've got to meet certain criteria that we set. That they can be a bit of a strange entity sometimes, a preferred supplier list, because when you have that level of flexibility within the organisation that you you seem to allude to, you know, by the sounds of things, if you worked with somebody or if you've seen them do a good job, there's no reason why you can't recommend them. Correct. So it's sort of. We're not like a hotel or, or some of these big, you know, big chains mm. that have a supplier that will provide, you know, across the world or certainly across the, the, the country. You know, we are individual clubs or individual associations, and we can choose who, who we want. Um, I'm just going to lose something very briefly something that, mm. that Mark said earlier on, which was he talked about the refurbishment in the kitchen. I think one of the things I've noticed because I've only been here for a couple of hours when we walk through the kitchen, one thing that hasn't been said: the staff are happy. So as much as you're doing the front of house areas to make the clients happy, you've got happy staff because you're looking after staff, and we do mm -hmm. the same. And that comes through in every contact that you have with clients or guests. What about the actual members? Have you got happy members in the sense that they embrace other parties coming in to use the event facilities? Is there any conflict at all between the members and you know other events just coming in and what using the facilities? Well, we're very lucky with is our is our members. They're, they're, I mean, as I say, we started our journey in 2007 with refurbishment work. Uh, refurbishment works comes with builders and noise. Um, and we've been very lucky of how understanding they are. Because uh, the, they see their club being enhanced. So they, they buy into that. 
We're lucky with our events business. Um, it's quite separate. Mm -hmm. So we don't have, we, we have private entrances to a lot of our event space. Um, so the, the mix between the two, um, because of the logistics of the building, sure, yeah. helps us with, with if there were to be conflicts. And there's areas of the club that, that aren't used for events. Um, the, the, the lounge bar, mm. It is whenever you you do have a client, we may have coffee in there, mm -hmm. and they would love to use that as a, a reception area. But but we don't yeah. offer that, so we we avoid those conflicts. We know where they could be, mm -hmm. um, and and we limit them. Yeah. We're a little bit different. We have uh, we we have an internal space. We have an internal Jerwood Centre, which is for internal and educational meetings. So that's fine. Um, some internal meetings are kept in our in our main uh, space. But we are a, a small museum, so we invite museum guests in all the time, look around our venue. We have really interesting and changing uh, medically related historic uh, artifacts. We, we're doing the uh, Great Fire exhibition at the moment. Um, we've got books in our library which still have sort of the singe marks from the Great Fire um, when, they were, when they were rescued. So um, we seem to coexist very naturally. Um, and the members are really pleased with the income that we, we are bringing in externally um, that helps them actually do their good works around the country and around the world. So in both both respects, both venues are, 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 are very sort of self-supporting, if that's the right phrase, mm -hmm. but you know, not only are you improving the facilities, but you're improving the offering to the actual members themselves and the mm -hmm. benefit that they derive from, from those buildings and from yeah. the facilities. Right. Um, I'm curious to ask the final thing, what the split is between UK-based events and international clients that you may welcome to use your facilities, both, you know, very reputable uh, organisations in the heart of London. Do you attract international business for, for the event spaces? Uh, we do. As a, as a percentage, it's quite small. Mm -hmm. um, for us, we do have international clients. Uh, a lot of them are, for us, are, are through members, uh, members that have, have moved perhaps uh, uh, abroad or are overseas members. Um, that bring their companies um, into London. So a lot of it is through our member members side. We don't have many agents um, at the moment uh, looking from Europe, bringing in, in, in guests or from, from the States. Mm -hmm. um, them inquiries are, uh, are quite small. So the percentage at, of our events business that's, let's say, not UK-based is probably five to ten percent. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm probably going to say similar. I mean, I, I think it's because it all depends how you turn international associations. By a lot of the, what we do are international associations. We host quite a few of the, particularly the medical associations. We'll, we'll host uh, events for them. Um, uh, international companies, with some UK base, might come and see us with an international contingent. Um, but purely international coming in here, we, we are finding, truth down, they normally stay in a hotel because yeah. they, they need the accommodation and they'll use the, the meeting space that the hotel has, um, no matter how um, we might consider ourselves to have better experiential experience. <laughs> um, gentlemen, looking at the time, we need to wrap up this, this particular episode, but we should very quickly just um, allow you both perhaps to, 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 to say where people can find out more information. Um, Mark, if you just want to give us the website for, for the Victory Services Club. It's www.vsc.co.uk. Excellent, and and links on there presumably to the event team. Yes, and it's all there. Then the numbers are there. Um, 
for the event, Tim's and I, I think the best thing to do is says, call and come and have a view. <laughs> and David? Um, you can uh, contact us at rcpevents.co.uk or you can look at rcplondon.ac.uk and contact us that way. Or just come along Regent's Park at any time. We'd love to see you. Excellent. Um, we are going to thank our guests on today's episode of Talking Events. David Parker, Deputy Director at the Royal College of Physicians Meetings and Events. David, thank you very much for joining Talking Events today. Thank you very much. Mark Field, Operations Director at the Victory Services Club. Mark, thank you very much for your time today and for the hospitality and, and allowing us to set up the studio here. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, you've been listening to Talking Events. My name's James Dixon. If you are uh, watching this via the eventindustrynews.co.uk website, don't forget to head over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. And uh, the flip side to that, if you're listening to this via iTunes, you can watch a video of this via the Event Industry News YouTube channel and also on eventindustrynews.co.uk. But for now, we're going to wrap up today's episode. You've been listening to Talking Events. Talking Events.